everyone. Welcome to another action-packed episode of ARG Presents. I am Amigo Aaron, joined as always by a man who, much like a crappy watch, is only right two times a day, the branch. I'll take that. Man, I wish someone would admit I was right twice a day. Well, I'm being, I'm being kind. I'm being kind. So, you'll recall that this week, we did not spin the wheel. No. We did not make the deal. No, it was made you for us. made the deal. And we will be playing games, revisiting a system that we looked at all the way back in episode 11. Back in April. The ZX, or ZX, if you will, Sinclair computer system. Now, Brent, this is your first go around with the ZX. Um, well, what have you heard about it before this episode? I know that it is a crazy popular system in the UK. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> very beloved. Very beloved. And, and for a lot of good reasons. Uh, at the time, it was affordable. Yes. It was uh, portable-ish. It was uh, you know, very practical. And it did a lot of stuff. And it played a lot of games. Yes, it did. So, you know, to... Uh, uh, to freshen up a bit, uh, a lot of people don't know, a lot of Americans anyway, they don't realize that we actually got a flavor of the ZX over here in the USA. Uh, did you know that? Yes. Yep. Uh, and I remember hearing about this computer long ago, and it just sort of went away instantly. Yeah. It was it, gone. It did not catch on the popularity train. That's right. So, and this computer we speak of is the Timex Sinclair yes. series here in the USA. Uh I, I went back to do some research and I listened to our first episode, and, and it would all fit into place because we I mentioned there that uh, one of the one of the outfits that produced the ZX Spectrum was Timex. It was only it was a natural it was a natural progression to move over because Timex, of course, uh, famed uh, maker of timepieces and uh, a well known uh, a well known watchmaker here in the states, among yes. other things. And so mm-hmm. they were going to parlay that popularity. Uh, into uh, a, a ZX Spectrum for the states, and it didn't quite go as planned. No. I think I think over here the competition was just too fierce. Right. So let's talk about. I want to talk about the entire uh, Timex Sinclair series, and so we're going to start from from Jump Street. All right. So uh, the Timex Sinclair One Thousand, the very first Timex Sinclair uh, released here. Uh, it was released in July of nineteen eighty two. Ninety-nine bucks, ninety-nine ninety-five. Wow. It was the first computer released in the U.S. under the hundred-dollar mark. Wow. So that's that's interesting. Uh, in today's money, you'd be looking at two hundred and sixty-two bucks. Still a steal. Oh heck yeah! Um, this thing uh, sold five hundred thousand units in the first six months. That's pretty good. And then eventually, I'm not sure the final number. But I know it sold over six hundred thousand. Which, Ooh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Now this this thing had a Zilog Z80A processor. Uh, it, it it hooked to your television. It was a black and white unit. Okay. Uh, the uh, uh, the equivalent to this uh, in in the UK, I think, was the uh, Z81. Uh, was the uh, was the, uh, the the sort of the predecessor to the Spectrum. Uh, so of course, like I said, this was a joint venture between Timex and Sinclair. Uh, just a little, just a smidge about the Sinclair uh, Corporation. Uh, it was uh, the brainchild, the the power uh, was made by Sir Clive Sinclair, <laughs> the uh, uh, the interesting fellow that, that ran it. 
I don't know if you've ever seen a, a film called Microman, which no. is a tremendous movie. I recommend anyone see it. Uh, and uh, Sir Clive is portrayed very amusingly. And uh, I always wonder how much of that's realistic, but apparently a lot of it. And Kim Justice does an, another great video on, on uh, Clive Sinclair. Clive Sinclair's big claim to fame in my mind was his was his little was his little car uh, called the C five. Have you ever seen this thing? No, no. It's a um, how to describe it. It's 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 a combination electric car and bike with an open. It, it, it literally fits around you. Almost looks like uh, Professor Xavier's wheelchair <laughs> in a lot of ways. It's white. <laughs> it is quite a sight. And this was a uh, uh, this was the his baby. Was it, this was his baby. And and when he released it, I believe they I believe they made manufactured around seventeen thousand C fives and tw I think five thousand sold. Uh, so it didn't sell well. Wow. And one of the problems it had was it set so it was this thing was made legal for road use. Such was Sir Clive's pull in the UK that he made got this thing legal for use. It could go about fifteen miles an hour uh, on a good flat surface. Uh, but the problem was it was so it was set so small it would people would just. Get smashed, ran yeah. out. You know, they were people were afraid to use it out in the roads, uh, and plus, you know, the battery life. This is, you know, this was the '80s, so you're not going to go real far. Although uh, they had a pretty, the, the chassis of it was actually made by Lotus mm. of the Lotus car fame. So I mean, it wasn't like they put a lot of science in it, they put a lot of right. technology in it, but it just it was dangerous. And there, there are not that many still on the road. But this was sort of, unfortunately, eventually uh, Sinclair. Ended up, uh, I think they ended up partnering up or basically bought out by Amstrad. And so for a while, those two computers, uh, the, the Amstrad was actually selling uh, ZX Spectrums. Mm -hmm. So interesting. I mean, if you're interested in Sir Clive, it's, he's certainly a colorful character. One of my favorite commercials of his for the, one of the, one of the Sinclair computers is he was he was known to be a real big jogger, and he always had this uh, scarf. And he he was a bald guy, but he had it was, he had red hair right here, you know, like a right. very balding. And he was a known jogger, and there's a very famous scene where he he he's, he stop, he's jogging to the park, and he stops, he runs real quick and jumps, and it shows him leaping over the competition, literally these huge computers and stuff buildings, <laughs> and he's going through the sky like this, leaping and leaping, and he comes out on the other side where the where the you know where the uh, Sinclair computer is, he just lands and just sort of strides off, you know, it's great. So I mean, I like the fact that this guy was not only was he the guy. That was pushing the buttons, but he was the guy that in the commercial. That's what made it great. He was sort of the face of his own company. There were there were a lot of uh, characters, a lot more characters back then than there are today. That's true, uh, and uh, of course we, they didn't really. Uh, I wish he'd come over here. Maybe his face would have sold more Timex than Clears. So again, this thing came in at a hundred bucks. That's a low price point, and it was okay. It was pretty compatible with its uh, with its uh, British counterparts, uh, but again, it didn't do that well. Uh, so. Uh, they came back with another model, uh, which was the 1500, and 1500 had, had basically had more RAM. Uh, the uh, uh, the problem with these early these early Timex Sinclair machines was uh, they just there wasn't a lot of word of mouth. I think they were sort of basic uh, when you consider uh, their competition. Was, they were cheaper. But at least the people in, in the states were looking for more, I think, out of their machine. Yeah. Uh, and so, the, and the fifteen hundred just didn't do it. The the, the one thousand didn't do it. So eventually, they released uh, the uh, twenty sixty eight, and the twenty sixty eight was uh, basically the American version of this of, of the ZX Spectrum. Um, 
The problem is, <clears throat> by this point, they they thought they needed to compete uh, with other with uh, other computers and even some of the gaming systems, and so all the other computers had 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 a, uh, a cartridge slot. Right. <clears throat> well, they thought it would be a good idea to add a cartridge slot. Now they also did some stuff with memory. It was actually a pretty advanced system. They actually put together a, a, a decent system. The problem is. Uh, the the problem with it was it actually was only compatible with about five or six percent of all software for the TX for the ZX Spectrum. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah. Now, of course, at this to- at this point, they're not in great shape anyway. You know. Uh, so what ended up coming out? This I thought this was interesting. <clears throat> was uh, part of the problem was, of course, you've got a, a, a you've got a system ROM, a boot ROM for this thing that's made for it. You know, to sort of uh, RAM banking and the and the and the, uh, and the cartridge slot. So what you could actually get, and apparently these are incredibly rare. Now, nowadays you can get them a lot easier because people are just burning them. Right. But uh, uh, you could get a cartridge that would if the system would boot off of, and if the cartridge had basically the Spectrum, the ZX Spectrum ROM one, the old mm-hmm. one. And so once you booted with this thing, it effectively. You had no cartridge slot at that point, but then you could actually run the, most of the stuff from the ZX Spectrum line. So uh, it made it more compatible. Now here's here's some of the wackiness of it. When you use uh, when you use this cartridge, uh, and you can run, like I said, the majority of the, of the software from the ZX, uh, the colors are messed up in a weird way. Uh, and so <clears> you get yeah, and, and I'm sure there's who knows why. Uh, I'm sure someone smarter than me does. But so you can still play the games, but their colors are a little bit wacky. Something else with that model was uh, the uh, out the TV output was was crummy. I mean, it, I mean, it wasn't your TV, man. It wasn't the box that it was the it was the computer. It had jacked up output. It was uh, wow. Yeah, you can't do that. That's right. It was it was uh, it was unfortunate that and, and apparently now they figured out a way to, to get around it. Something else you can do now. That you're right. I mean, you could have done it then, but you had to be really in the nose. You could literally, and some people do this with their with their Timex and clears, uh, is they actually uh, pop out the RAM, or excuse me, pop out the ROMs and put in Sinclair ROMs. The, the original ZX Sinclair ROMs just take that works, huh? It works, you huh? Just, but you can't use your cartridge slot at that point. Oh. Mm. But then again, yeah, well, that's... <laughs> it's funny what people do with these cartridge slots, by the way. I just... I, I know very little about this stuff, but I was looking, and there are guys that have rigged up uh, joystick ports that come out of the cartridge slot. I saw a cut. There's all kind. You know how you know how the uh, uh, you know how these things are is when you when you've got when you've got it, someone's going to try to do something with it, you know. And it and it's real it's real crazy. Now um, here, you know, we often talk about uh, uh, how some of these old consoles do better in Brazil and stuff, right? The Spectrums moved on, and, I, and the uh, they had a TC or twenty forty eight that uh, that was popular in Portugal, of all places. <laughs> so these 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 things had had, had a uh, had a life outside the U.S. Also, uh, apparently Poland got in on the act too, uh, which is interesting. Huh. Now, one thing you know, I've looked around for a, a, a nice uh, Timex Sinclair twenty sixty eight, and the reason is. Uh, it, would, it, it outputs an NTSC, which right. is nice. And one of the problems right. I've had with this unit is uh, is getting something to to actually view it on. It's right. real, it's real tricky. 
Uh, it's real tricky, and uh, so it's <laughs> it's a perpetual pain in my backside. Uh, but uh, like you said, the ZX very popular in the UK. I mean, one of the all-time uh, most popular machines, uh, and even today, the uh, as we sit here and record this, uh, people are uh, anxiously awaiting their uh, new version of the ZX Spectrum that's been that was kickstarted and it's been in production. It, and it looks, from all accounts, it looks great. Of course, we should also mention that the uh, there was a, uh, a portable uh, ZX that was that was released to its kickstart. Some of its kickstarts a couple months ago, as we recorded this, which was apparently utter and complete garbage. Really, that's unfortunate. Yeah. And so, apparently, a lot of people got jobbed out on this thing. But hey, you you you, you pay your you pay your Kickstarter money or your Indiegogo money, it takes your chances. Yeah, you know? yeah, and a lot of people feed and, and uh, take advantage of that nostalgia. <clears throat> yes, so they do. That happens. So. Boy, we had a, a huge library. Uh, now, the last time me and Bo did this, uh, we ended up picking Death Chase, one of the all-time great names. And and I believe Bo picked uh, um, School Days as his game. Speaking of names, just real quick before we go move on to the games, yeah. do you prefer the name ZX Spectrum or do you prefer the, the Sinclair? Um, well, it, traditionally, I, it's always been told to me that it was the ZX Spectrum, so I'm going to go with that. No, no, no. But which name do you think sounds better? Oh, Sinclair sounds cool. I like that. Oh, you think so? Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, not to mention, every time I hear that, I just think of old Sir, uh, Sir Clive and his little car or, <laughs> or jumping over those computers. I mean, this guy, like I said, if you watch, <laughs> and this will come in later to play, but if you watch um, uh, uh, Microman, and the story of Microman was a story of real life where some of Sir Clive's People like basically broke off and, and and started the BBC Micro, which later it became the big a big deal due to the TV series. Yep, uh, we me and Bo covered that one a while back, and it was a real interesting computer. There's a great scene in the in the in the movie where Sir Clive and a couple guys are walking down this hall, and they're like, "Listen, we want to get these games going. These games are popular." Sir Clive hated these games on his on his machines, and he goes he goes he basically says, "I'm Sir Clive." Sinclair, it's like, this is a serious company. I don't want to be known as the man who brought you Jet Set F and Willie. <laughs> and it's a great line. I always thought, it's so funny. He goes, there's even a game coming out where I'm supposed to be going after a knighthood. And the guy's laughing. This chick comes up in the hall and gives him a paper. He goes, oh, I've just been given a knighthood. <laughs> it's a great film. So when I think of Sinclair, just the name, I just think of that guy. Because that, is, that guy is a guy. Uh, and, and I mean, I don't know how close he was to the guy in the movie, but it was awful. It was awful funny anyway, in the movie. Um, so, as I mentioned, we played Death Chase in school days. We did this the first time. So, pretty, like, I really enjoyed uh, Death Chase a lot. And school days is pretty cool, too. So, aside from those two, we had the entire universe of ZX Spectrum uh, software. Now, of course, uh, and again, have you played much ZX Spectrum? Uh, no, I really haven't. And, and I really need to go back and play more. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of their games are kind of samey. They've got a lot of the, I mean, they locked onto that platformer collector type role, and probably 20, 25% of the games are that sort of fair. Well, you have to get used to, like, the color clash and, and the, uh, and the speed of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, really, those things don't bother me so much. Yeah. Uh, I like finding unique games for systems like this. I mean, if I'm going to go back and play a retro title that I don't have personal connection to, it has to be. It has to do something that I haven't seen before. Sure, sure. So, uh, 
why don't we let you lead the charge this week? Okay. What now? And uh, you know, and the funny thing is, your game. Me and Boat went over a bunch of games back when we did our episode. And your game, I distinctly remember the name of because I was like, "What in God's name name is this that they picked?" So tell everyone what you chose this week. I chose Fat Worm blows a spark. Yeah, <laughs> very memorable name. <laughs> Uh, and, and you know what? I was drawn in by the name. I was looking over a list of games I could choose from. And who wouldn't be? And, and I saw this, and I was like, I've got to find out what this is all about. Yeah. And really, before we talk about the game, we got to talk about the man behind the game. Uh, Julian Todd. Alright. This guy has a story to tell, and, and it's, it's both sad and, and triumphant at the same time. Uh... Fat Worm Blows a Sparky, as a lot of games back in this era, was a one-man venture. And this particular man happened to be hardly a man at all. Fresh out of high school, uh, he made this game in the transition from high school to college. And he made it with the dreams of, you know, everyone was making money off these games. And he was a heck of a programmer. Um... So he said, you know what, I'm going to throw my hat into the arena. I'm going to see what I can do. And as a lot of kids at the time, he saw graphics as the top thing that had to be memorable, had to be noticeable to really grab your attention. And as he tells the story, he was setting on uh, the World Trade Center back in 80, 80, I guess this would have been 85. Mm -hmm. And he was looking down below at the streets. And looking at the perspective. And he said, that's it. I'm going to make a game with this perspective. He said, my main character is going to be a car. I'm going to have you driving around the city. This is going to be awesome. So yeah. really... Sound like Grand Theft Auto. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, and this was back, like I said, 80, 84, 85, since the game came out in 86. Um, <clears throat> and he started putting this stuff together. And he didn't actually start coding on the Spectrum, on the uh, the X Spectrum. He started coding on uh, just different things he had at the time. And he would later transfer the code over. But as he was doing this, and he was drawing it all vectors, and he admits he's not an artist, and his car took up, like, 22 polygons. And, unfortunately... The, the hardware he was working on would only push like 26 polygons without the frame rate dropping. Right. So he said, well, this is no good. I'm not going to be able to do a car. So he went from a car, and then he kind of tried to do a person. And the person was even worse because he couldn't draw a person. So he kept cutting the polygon count of his main character lower and lower and lower to make the environments look better and better until he got down to a four- Polygon main character. That was the tapeworm. Alright. And he said he was always... Wow, so he just kept reducing it until <laughs> he got that. That's it. And he said that uh, he was always mad at himself for not putting eyes on the tapeworm. But as the, uh, the older him said, but why would I... You know, tapeworms don't have eyes, so why would I do that? Yeah. Uh, when he sold this game to uh, Durrell who was software company at the time. Now they are a finance software company. They're still around. They are still around, yes. Uh, no no games in sight. He said that they would 
they sat him down at the unit that was going to be transferring his code and compiling his code. And even though it had two megs of RAM <coughs> at the time, which was just extreme, uh, it was slow. And he said it would take somewhere between 20 to 30 minutes just to compile the code to see if it worked and if there were any bugs, if there were any problems. You'd have to start all over again. You'd have to change it, rewrite the code, and then compile it all again. He said he hated that. He hated the wait. <coughs> exactly. <laughs> and so as he moved on, he said, you know what? I, he finally got it after the tweaks and and the, the redoing some graphics. And finally, he finally got to a product he could sell. And he, he recalls uh, the time when it was coming out, he saw all these magazine articles. And he, he said every one of those Every one of those uh, articles about the game bought and paid for. Every one of them. Oh, yeah. And he said that uh, it's weird reading about a prod, you know, reading something that someone has paid someone else to write positively. Yeah. Um, after that, he went to college, and he said he was still designing and programming games. And then... Uh, but his field was actually mathematics. And just all of a sudden, he said it was over. He said it was a three-day s- stretch where he sat down and I guess had a, a, a life-altering mindset. And he said, That's it. he said, I'm done. I'm not going to do games anymore. And he didn't mess with games anymore throughout his university run. When he got out of college, he actually quit mathematics because he it was too much for him. And he moved on to uh, engineering. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, a lighter, a lighter <laughs> fare for the guy. Um, and he uh, got out and started looking for jobs. Got a job at a software company. Uh, originally, he went in to do hardware, and he said he didn't know anything about hardware. And he goes on this rant, this epic rant about how management is stupid because. <laughs> They hired him to do hardware even though he knew nothing about hardware. And then eventually he shifted himself over to software where he was more useful. But he said that the, the job he was doing was a burn. And they had him work on really long hours. And eventually he said, you know what? Screw this. I'm going back to gaming. Oh, he, so he came back, huh? And he applied at over 20 locations and no one would take him. Really? Even with a game, and he said that while he did not get rich off of uh, Fat Worm Blows Sparky, it was enough to pay for his college and keep him out of debt. That's pretty good. Which is really impressive. I never knew that game was such a huge seller. Uh, Well, we'll get into that too. So, uh, after that, he really, really turned his back on gaming. And uh, he said that now he calls it a waste of time. Uh, it's a not a productive way of life. You know, blah, 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 blah. Really is, is down on it. I don't think it's so much that he's down on people who enjoy gaming, even people who make games. Just for him, that can no longer be a life focus. What a bummer. Uh, he hang glides now. He, he's a machinist. He does uh, still programs, just not for games. Uh, and he is a huge political activist over in the UK. No kidding. He is huge into uh, government transparency. Runs several websites about it. 
So he's he obviously he did really well for himself. Mm. Um, it's amazing he couldn't get hired in that field. It is. It really is. And he again he he rants for a good long while about how uh, management. You know you can't you can't just look at a person's resume and decide in twenty minutes if they're good or not. And he, he goes on a really epic rant about it. But something he is very, I guess, he's passionate about is how his work will be viewed not in 10 years or 100 years, but tens of thousands of years. And he talks about... (laughs) Wow. Yeah. We're going out there now. Yeah. And he, he talks about the ruin of mankind and how they're picking through the, uh, the, Leftover technology to field the little bit of data that they might be able to come. And he wonders, you know, because now there's more about fat, warm, blows and sparky than there's ever been. Uh, just as... Is there? Yeah, because as time expands, of course, there's going to be more. Okay. I mean, we're making stuff about it right now. So uh-huh. there you go. <clears throat> and he wonders how he, that if that's how he's going to be remembered, because that is where the most of his focus lies. Even though he does all this political activist stuff. No, fat, fat worm. That's your, now, your legacy, big boy. That was a blog post uh, from 2003 yeah. that he posted that he has since removed from his site. And Well, you really got deep uh, in this guy, didn't you? Uh, did you hack his computer? No, nah, way back machine. But I, it was, it's interesting to see where he's come from to where he is now, because like I said, he's a huge political activist, he has many websites, and the game credit that got him through college, he is just, he's completely written out of his life, it's really amazing in that regard. Yeah, that sucks. So, let's move on to what the game actually was, Fat Worm Blows a Sparky. Who gave this game? You can't say that enough. That was him, it was all him. Man. Um, He took a 3D perspective and made a Pac-Man-like maze game out of it. And he said that back in the day, when he didn't understand game design, all he thought was, you put cool graphics in it, and then you give it a concept, let's collect something. Uh, What's popular right now? Pac-Man's pretty popular, so we'll put it in a maze setting. Can't do a cityscape because my main character's a worm. (coughs) We'll make it a a Spectrum motherboard. Why not? Yeah. I think that's clever. And... Bam, 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 there it is. All that stuff fell into the fact that he had this awesome vector 3D graphics. Yeah. So he went from graphics and then designed a game. Horrible way to do game design, but it got there. Uh, In Fat Worm, you play as a tapeworm, for some reason, uh, that goes around and picks up uh, spindles. And you have to collect 50 spindles... So that you can get onto uh, a floppy disk and thus be transported out of the computer and replicate throughout the world. That is your mission in the game. What? (laughs) (laughs) On top of spindles, you can also collect sparkies. Or you actually, you get sparkies when you collect spindles. And sparkies are your weapons against things like ants, (coughs) drones, uh... The enemies have some wacky names that I cannot recall right little now. Little black critters, little green critters. Uh, and, and everything has either, it comes out of the motherboard, it actually borrows a little hole and let the ants will crawl in on the motherboards, or you'll have these drones that actually fly above your perspective 
and will try to land on you, which it does really, really well. And I cannot help, I cannot help but compare this perspective to Urban Yeti. Oh, it has that same perspective. However, Fat Worm does it way better. Fat Worm. It does it way better. Mark, write this down. <coughs> Fat Worm, better game than Urban Yeti. <laughs> oh, by far. We don't want this guy cut the vlog on you about your review. <laughs> no, no. Remember, Brent Dowdy said it was like Urban Yeti. Not, oh, you see, you expect your fans. It, no, I said it had the same perspective. It, and it does it really well. Because when you go up, you're... The, your worm gets bigger because you're closer to the screen. Uh, when you pass under things, you know it, you can still control your worm. It doesn't just disappear. It's actually moving under whatever you're uh, going under. Uh, there are tunnels in this where you go into one side of the screen and come out another. The the layout is not very spectrum-y. Uh, but, you know... I guess that really isn't the point at this point. What do you, you mean? The layout of the... Uh, of the, the motherboard, right. Yeah, it's yeah. not the same as the stage. Um, you can go up and down platforms. Your worm can jump. In air quotes. It actually just falls off. But it, when you fall off of a platform, from a higher platform to a lower platform, it sh it scales appropriately. Yeah. It does a really great job with its graphics. Yeah. Um, where it lacks is pretty much everywhere else, unfortunately. The game is okay. It's a, it's you know, you go around, collect, find your spindles. The enemies are relentless. They start out okay, kind of easy, but when you get to like fifteen spindles or so, and that is how the since he doesn't have levels, they progress through your spindle pickup. They start to get crazy hard. Crazy. I don't know how much, how far you got into it, but oh my god, I didn't gosh. get fifty spindles. I, I did not get fifty either. Um. However, there is one thing that can be said about this game. It is graphically very, very different from that anything else that's out there on the spectrum, on the ZX spectrum. And that is how it got its claim to fame. And while many reviewers at the time gave it high, high praise, and it demanded a premium price tag at ten pounds at the time which was that was your your top of the line game and it was programmed by one person in three months uh it is crazy to see how far this kid at the time pushed these graphics and it made for an okay game but a wonderful wonderful visual mm -hmm. really enjoyed the visuals of it uh, like I said before, Julian Todd never did anything afterwards, uh, which is unfortunate. I, I, I believe the, the guy has a brilliant mind, um, I, and I, I think a lot of brilliant minds are sort of flaky, and I think that fits this guy's build too. Um, That's my problem. <laughs> uh, although I, I do wish him, if this ever gets back to him in, in any way, I wish him... Tons of luck with his uh, uh, keeping transparency in their government. Because he does a lot of work on that. And it looks like he does a lot of good work. Yeah, we don't got that. He, uh, <laughs> we need to go over here and help us. He, uh, he's really broken down uh, some barriers in the government. Was almost jailed for it. So he's a huge advocate of it. Mm. Uh, so salutes for that. 
And, and as for his game, it was pretty good. Uh, like I said, the visuals were amazing. The sounds, the music on the opening screen is is just awful. Yeah, it's just awful. Spectre's not known for its quality music. And, and whoa, boy, it's bad. It doesn't have music during the game. But the sound effects during the game were okay. Mm-hmm. They're they're the beeps and boops you would expect. Pricing on this cannot be found. Uh, the only place I did see this was a compilation tape of four other games that was selling for uh, four bucks, mm-hmm. four pounds, I guess. This is on tape. Yeah, yeah. And the actual, I found one actual copy of the game that was selling for nine pounds. I should mention, if you're not a, uh, if you're not from the UK, most of the games for this thing came on these little cassette tapes. I've got uh, Dizzy right here. Uh, if you were watching the video. And so, uh, what that means is generally that these that these games when you buy them now are pretty expensive. Expensive, of course. The flip side of it is they're on tape. Yeah. So yeah. you know, functionality is way up in the air. Yeah. We in the in the U.S. now, me and you use tape for years. Sure. On the cocoa. Yeah. But a lot of Americans uh, never use tape. Yeah. Most because a lot of your C sixty four people had disc drives. Yeah. Uh, the uh, TI the. Uh, uh, of course, your PC people. A lot of these guys had had uh, had disc drives. I don't think. I, did you ever use a cassette tape on a on a PC? I don't remember ever using one. No, not cassettes. Yeah. So, but so, in the UK, that was a, that was a much more uh, that was much more widespread format choice. Sure. So, what did you think of Fat Warren Blows the Sparky? Well, I echo a lot of what you said. Uh, I'll tell you when I I you know I, the, the name was familiar to me, and it was such a stupid name that I was like, man. What in God's name is this? I thought maybe that was a euthanism or something. I thought that meant something. Maybe it was like a translational thing in the UK. It's like, oh, but, uh, or a drug reference or something. But no, this is exactly what it's, he he named it, and that's what it is. That's it. Uh, When you see this game, when I saw it the first time and I loaded it up, I was like, dang. That's a darn good graphics on that thing. I was like, it is an impressive uh, it is an impressive graphics mode, or, or uh, and I don't know if there's, I don't know if games use that sort of vectory thing. I went through about seventy five Spectrum games, and I never saw anything even remotely like it. It's, it's a lot of isometric stuff, but no three D scaling. So the, the way that the worm moves mm-hmm. is very sort of realistic in a, in a, in a weird way. Uh, the uh, uh, of course I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I didn't know what the, the, you were, I knew you were collecting things. I didn't know what they were spindles. Yeah, it's the first time I've heard that. I didn't really read the docs. Uh, but it's a it. Of course, all spectrum games never move at a, at a, at a, a, a man. Or most of them don't move super fast. Uh, and this one doesn't either. But uh, it does. It does way better than you think it would. Yeah. Now, you, if you shoot a lot of sparkies at one time, it will slow down your frame. And range. the sparkies are super like floaty. You know what well, I mean? Well, they're supposed to be. I guess. Well, I'm just saying, they, uh, I, I've never shot a Sparky. I don't know. Maybe they, that's the way they are. So it's not like Galaga. You're not hyper. You're not blowing No, no, no. And your ammo is very limited. Also, uh, something I thought it did that was very clever, if you're going one way and you're getting ready to hit a bug or an enemy of some sort, there's actually a button that you one hit it instantly 180s your, your worm around and leaves a Sparky there. So that was pretty neat. I thought that was pretty clever of them. Also, worth mentioning, this does have a boss uh, screen button where you press it and it does a very Amiga-like bouncing ball. 
<laughs> so, for the Spectrum, it was also very impressive. I, uh, back in the day on the PC, a lot of games had that boss key. Yeah. You hit it, and it would look like a spreadsheet or something, which I always thought that was, I always thought that was awesome, you know. Uh, I, I like how they built in the fact that you could do this instead of working. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But no, I, I mean, it's, is it a game I'm going to go back to every day? No. But, I mean, as a technical achievement, yeah. I think I find it very impressive. And as a game, it's okay. It's okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a maze game, and if that's your thing, then that's your thing. It's not really my thing. Uh, even though the reviews, as the guy says, were bought and paid for, uh, 95s, 9 out of 10s, um, you know, way up there, way up there across the board. Uh, so, if this is something that you have the ability to look at, by all means, yeah. This is a this is probably one of the must look at games yeah. of the spectrum. Just this is the hell go. At it, it. it will make you go, holy cow! I didn't think my spectrum could do this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I pretty much that's exactly what I thought of. But I played it. I didn't. I didn't spend a great deal of time with it. But uh, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you have for us? Well, uh, it's funny. Our our games are. I sort of mirror our the, the design of our games. But I took a look. And, you know, and this is one that I've heard about for years. I never really sat down and messed with it that much. But I took a look at the rather famous Jet Set Willie. Jet Set and Willie. <clears throat> if you're Sir Clyde. Uh, now, it's funny that you were talking about how, the, the fellow that did your game. Because I was talking about the fellow that did my game. Yeah. Very similar tale. Uh, the fellow's name was uh, Matthew Smith. Yeah. Uh, he was born in 66. And... Uh, he released Manic Miner and Jet Set Willy for the ZX Spectrum in uh, 83 and 84. Now, Manic Miner and Jet Set Willy, <clears throat> in this country, for your average uh, person, they would not know what those were. However, if you're a uh, any sort of person that listens to uh, UK podcasts or follows the culture over there, you would probably know what these guys are referenced quite a bit. Over the years, uh, and uh, uh, I know they're super famous. A lot like, uh, you know, much like Dizzy here uh, on this cassette. Dizzy over here, and while some games got released with Dizzy, no one knows who Dizzy is. Where Dizzy over there, huge deal. Pop icon. It's funny because I saw this game. I was doing some research for the show, and uh, a fellow does a show called, I think it's called like Games Yanks Don't Like or something like that. And and Jet Set Willie was on there. Uh, and so, but I think the reason that people think that we don't like this is we haven't been exposed to the sure. majority of it. You know, I mean, for example, me and you, or me and Bo have, because that's sort of what we're what we do. But uh, so anyway, uh, Matt Smith uh, did these. Uh, he originally, it's funny, in the, in the '80s, he started programming on a on a TRS-80 <laughs> Model Two, which is which is awesome. Uh, we we been on that road, and then eventually he got the ZX on loan from a software development company, uh, and so they wanted him to make some games for him. And so uh, he wrote Manic Miner. Now, uh, Manic Miner, a very popular game. Have you ever played Manic Miner? I don't recognize the name. Yeah, he. Uh, it, it's amazing. He wrote this thing on a Model Three, which I think is awesome. Again, if you're we're old TRS any fans, and, that, and Model Three was an old, and Model Two as well were these old. Uh, TRS-80s, they had the built-in screen. Right. And I remember that's one of the first computers I ever saw was, was one of these things. And so, uh, anyway, when he released Manic Miner, I guess uh, 
if you've played Magic Miner, a lot of people compare it to, say, uh, uh, Miner 2049 or some other stuff. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're an interesting game. And so, uh, Jet Set Willie was sort of the uh, sequel to, to Manic Mind, right? So, uh, it's funny because uh, Smith says making Manic Mind was very enjoyable. And this is an exact quote. He said, Jet Set Willie was seven shades of hell ah! to make this game. Uh, and so, but he, he worked on it and finished it up. And it was very a very popular game. And uh, uh, he did very, it did it did very well, you know. So this guy basically uh, he hung around until about eighty eight, and then he disappeared. Like for he was gone. Like no one knew where he was. Well, he you know where he was. He was in a Dutch commune. Wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was there from ninety five to ninety seven. He was just out. He just stopped. Stopped doing everything. Uh, and so uh, when he got back to the the UK. Uh, in the late '90s, he was stunned that people remembered him and liked him and liked his stuff. <laughs> like he had no idea what was going on, which I always thought was funny. And so eventually, he came back and got a job at a game developer, and is uh, I believe right now he's doing mobile games. So wow! Mm -hmm. So he actually got back into it. Well, wow. this guy, unlike your fellow uh, Jet Set William and Manic Miner, are like. Staple titles. I mean, they're huge titles, and so just the fact that you've got this guy on your staff probably ups your credibility just because he's there. To be honest with you, so let's talk about Jet Set Willie. All right, um, Jet Set Willie uh, again came on eight, in '84. I didn't realize how much reports this thing got. Tons. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, the Spectrum, of course, had the original. Then you got the BBC Micro, the Electron, uh, the C64, the C16 got a port. Uh, get this. How do we not know this, Brent? The Dragon 32 got a port. The Coco. Wow. We could have played this if we'd known. Uh, the Atari 8-bit uh, computer line got ports. Uh, the MSX, the Amstrad, the TI-99 got a port. Nothing gets ported to the TI-99. That's a stunner. Hunt the Wampus, this. That's all you've got. <laughs> so I, I, so that, a lot of a lot of porting was going on. So um, the plot of this game is amusing, I, I'd say. It is. So, uh, again, it's a sequel to Maniac Miner. Maniac. That's a whole different miner. Manic Miner. And so and basically what happens is Manic Miner's tired. He, he goes home, right? Uh, and so his housekeeper... Won't let him go to bed until he picks up all the junk he spread all over the house. Okay, and it's funny if you go. There's a room in the game that if you go to her, she's standing there. Yeah, she's yeah, she's, yeah she's, and if if you touch her, it costs you a life. Yeah, she physically yeah. kills you. Yep, <laughs> that's one. That's not a very good housekeeper. She's supposed to be cleaning that crap up, man. See, I, I, I was under the impression it was his wife. No, housekeeper Maria. There you go. Yeah, and so. Uh, his house is full of all kinds of crazy crap, and God, and it's it's insanity. And so he, I mean, he's so you've got to go to his house, and the house also includes like outdoors, some like a beach, a yacht, some other stuff. So, what is this game? Because you can describe it pretty quickly, and then ponder it for a good while. It's a it's a screen by screen scrolling platform game. It doesn't scroll; it goes you go screen by screen. Right. You know what I mean? Where uh, um, Willie has to 
jump and gather these items. And it's funny because you were talking about how many games there were that were like this. Well, here's one here. Gather stuff game. Uh, you, you, as you, you start out in the bathroom, ironically, and you, and you, it, the item in that room is easy. You just kind of grab it. And then you, it, you basically let you go sort of where you want to go at that point. Uh, as you go to these different, uh, different rooms, there are enemies, uh, floating around and they can be, there's all kinds of crazy yeah. stuff. Razor really blades, is. barrels, <clears throat> some stuff I can't even identify. There's plenty of enemies. I have no idea what that, what in God's name they are. Uh, there's a, a, it's a whole range of stuff. And when you go to a room, it will tell you what room you're in. Master bedroom, in the basement, whatever. And some of them have wacky names. And so your job is to negotiate the room. And sometimes there's stairs. Sometimes there's just holes in the floor, which are presumably the top of a staircase, because usually you land on a staircase. Right. Um, your job is to, is to go through and gather all this stuff. Um, it's an incredibly difficult game. How, how difficult was it? Now, I don't know how far you get, and I'm going to talk to you about it. There were certain rooms I could never get past. I tried and tried. I, I looked up cheats. <clears throat> I watched videos. One in particular uh, is a room. Um, it, was the, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the nightmare room. It was the ne- Actually, the nightmare room is hard, too. To get the item in the nightmare room is really difficult. This yeah. game is, I mean, it's got a rep for being, like, incredible hard, and it is incredible hard. I had all kinds, that was, I found it game very, very frustrating, uh, I, because I just couldn't get anywhere. I beat my head against the wall trying to get through these rooms. Now, I think it's clever. I think the room names are funny when you look through them all. I, I looked at maps, I watched playthroughs, uh, but it is really hard. Willie has a, is, is a, a, a very slow guy. He doesn't move in a very good clip. His, his jumps are real floaty, uh, and... Uh, I will say that something else that grated on me was the music. <laughs> God. The, and you, and <laughs> I, I didn't shut it off. Maybe you can, but I mean, it was... Holy God. It was uh, well, the Fellow to Roof song, uh, If I Was a Rich Man. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over and over. And then it changed from different rooms, but it was, it was a no, lot it was of just start over, basically. Horrible. It drove me absolutely nuts. So, you start off with a bunch of willings. And they're dancing at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> I like that. And so, as you lose lives, fewer and fewer willies are dancing. Until that last willie, I'm pretty serious, he's begging not to go in, uh, not to get called in. This game, let me tell you. Now, I, I'm not going to sit here and bury this game, but I'm going to sort of bury some of it. You can lose lives the second you walk into a room without knowing what's happening. You can lose a bunch of lives quickly. It doesn't give you a break anywhere. Yeah. This is a game for a, for the hard men, for the tough men, for the people that can sit back, and women, who can sit back and endure a, a obstacles that came straight from the devil's behind. The, the I mean, the... Uh, uh, remember, the remember the Nintendo... Turtles game. Yeah, it's a very famous it. stretch where you're swimming to these electric vines. Yeah. Remember that? Yep. This game has rooms full of vines. I mean, that's what that's the way I felt. I mean, was it just me? How far did you get into this thing? I could not make progress hardly at all. Here, okay. I think it's because you approached the game incorrectly. Okay, maybe so. This is a platform puzzler, right? Well, that means the rooms are puzzles. 
it's all about finding the timings of the room, uh, where to jump, where not to jump. It's not a platformer. It's a platform puzzler. Because your jumps are, you can jump straight up, which is very rarely used, or you can jump forward, right? right? And your forward jump is a set number of pixels, a set distance. Right. There's no you know, maneuvering to land on the platform you're on. With that in mind, it's all about where you position yourself on the platform to jump to the next one. Did I beat the game? No. No. <clears throat> I think there are uh, 83 items. It's either 83 or 63. I think it's 60, uh, 63 or 6. It's in that ballpark. I, uh, I collected about 18. Really? Yeah. Wow, you did way better than me. Uh, and there are, are some rooms where you can collect three or four just right in a row mm-hmm. fairly easily. Yeah, I think my top score on this was 18. Uh, and I, I think I would have done better if I would have taken the time to, say, sit down and actually map the room out. And, and after I got finished playing my session, I went back and watched the playthrough. And there were a few times I was like, okay, I see where I should have positioned now. If I would have sat down and done that, I think I could have gotten through this game. It is hard, but it's not unfair. Now, there are a certain, there are definitely times when you get caught in a death loop. And just as soon as you respawn, you instantly die again. Da 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 da, your life's over, the game's over. Uh, but for the most part, the enemies, they don't track you, they just move back and forth at their own pace. Uh, all, nothing's invisible, nothing is, uh, uh, you know, out of reach to make you make jumps and leaps of faith. It all makes sense, and it's all very fair. It is difficult, but if you go into it as a puzzler, where you you sit down and you say, "Okay, I, I'm going to try this room with all my lives until I figure it out." Once you get it, when you go back to that room a second time, it's just about execution, and execution is pretty easy. Did you play this on keyboard? Where'd you? Yeah, keyboard. I I played this on the Xbox with my emulator on the Xbox. Okay. With a good joystick. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm not a bad hand. I'm a, you know, I'm good at Donkey Kong. I'm good at timing stuff. This stuff, there were rooms. I swear to you, I would just. It was so infuriating. I mean, I, I don't know how you people could sit and play it for too long before. It, I mean, it was so incredibly difficult. And then, and then you get. I mean, you throw you right in. You get like basically two easy rooms, and then yeah. everything is impossible. Yeah. Well, like the nightmare room. I didn't even try to collect a thing in that. Because I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it. So I just skipped that room and I kept going. I went on to the next one. You notice in a nightmare room you become a flying pig. Yes. And your housekeepers are the things floating yeah. back and forth. And there's also a giant foot. Yeah. When you, Python foot. when you lose the game, a foot smashes you yeah. at the end. Yeah. Um, we should mention, and I thought this was interesting, that this came, now of course this is ripped out of mine, but this came with a wacky copy protection. And they gave you a card... With uh, 180 color codes on it. Think about that. Right? And this came with a cassette. And the uh, uh, the codes had to be entered before you could play. And so you could uh, you had to have this card. And so it was, it was difficult to duplicate. And that's how they got around that. That's how they used uh, the, the card on it. This game is also known for having a lot of bugs. Uh, uh, some wacky bugs. So get this. And, uh, and this happened. This was like a, a repeating theme. Right? Uh, upon release, you couldn't beat the game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
there were several bugs that would screw you up, and one was known as the attic bug. And when you went in the attic, uh, other screens would get screwed up, and they'd make it so you couldn't you couldn't uh, you couldn't get out, you couldn't finish the game. Yeah. Which is weird. Now it's funny. Now they eventually they came up with ways to get around this, but these bugs. Uh, but the funny thing is, I looked at other, uh, I looked at other versions of this game and other systems, and they were bugged too. They all had crazy bugs, and a lot of them you couldn't finish, you know, which I thought was bizarre. Something else I did, I accidentally without I, I started playing the game one time. I got frustrated, and quit. I power quit a lot, and this week, and, and something else. You know what made it worse? I'm telling you. It's, you're sitting there sucking, and you're sucking. You can't get it done. And this music, just it, it's, it won't stop. It won't stop, and it's so horrible. And I just had to, I was like, listen. And so I'd be looking something up, trying to figure out how to get past a room, and it just, in the background, would be playing and be like, whoa, that would be mad. I'd have to turn it off. But I accidentally, I clicked on it one time, and it loaded up, and I took off, and I'm like, man, the music's different. What happened? Well, I had accidentally started up the sequel, Jet Set Willy 2. Yeah. It is very similar to Jet Set Willy 1. I'll tell you that right now. It's every bit as hard. Uh, but I did have a, a little go at that, too. And, I mean, it looked okay. But, I mean, man, that was another one. But the music was a slightly less grating. But, I mean, I didn't listen to it as many times as I listened to the, the, the first one. Um, so, as you can imagine, this game was quite popular. Yes. Uh, very, very popular. In, uh... They, they reviewed it in uh, Spectre Magazine, your Spectre Magazine. They, they liked, they, they loved it. All the UK mags liked, loved this. It sold over a million copies. Woo. And it was included in a compilation, which I, which they didn't screw around with the name of this one. They sold a million was the compilation yes. name. Yeah. Along with Beachhead, which I, I remember playing Beachhead 2 quite a bit. I always liked that. Daily Thompson's Decathlon, which I've got to play that one of these days because that name keeps popping up over and over. And Saber Wolf, which I know is a very popular uh, game over there. Um, they made a ton of these uh, Jet Set Willy games. They, of course, Maniac, Ma uh, Ma uh, Maniac, I did it again. Manic Miner, Jet Set Willy. Then they had, listen to some of these titles here. You've got Jet Set Willy, The Final Frontier. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, there was also, let me see what else we had here. Uh, the one on the dragon was slightly different, so that would have been cool to see. They also released a ton of these. Uh, there's a ton of these uh, bug fixes, remakes, yeah. fan versions. I mean, this guy has has entered the realm of, of social icon uh, to some people, and songs are written about him, sang about him. You know, um, in the end, and this is just me. This probably won't be a popular opinion. And the thing is, I was ready to shower this game with praise because I love, I love Jumpman, I love Minor Twenty Forty Nine, I like a lot of puzzly sort of jumping games. I like it. I love the fact that there are sixty plus rooms with individual names, and, and there's all they're all different. I like the fact you can explore at your on your own pace, yeah. sort of like an Adams Family. You can just go wherever you wanted, but. I did not enjoy my time playing Jet Set Willie. I guess Yanks don't enjoy it because I didn't enjoy it. I just found it frustratingly hard. Uh, I mean, I just and it's not even the fact that Jet Set Willie that Willie is that is like not fast or anything. It just I I could not get it. I couldn't get into it. Uh, I liked the way it looked. I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah, uh, you know, it's colorful. Uh, and I thought, it, you know, it ran okay. Uh, it just, and I like the way the rooms look. You can tell someone sat down and 
fevered over these rooms and come up with some pretty interesting puzzles. But I mean, it's pixel, pixel pinpoint perfect. I mean, a lot of the jumps. For example, are. the really night are. in the nightmare room, and I go back to that. One, <clears> the, I, I spent so much time there. Um. When you're standing on a ledge and those things are on either side of you, you're going up and down. If you're not pinpoint accurately, perfectly positioned on that ledge, you're screwed. Yeah. The next room over, uh, there's a there's a there's a jump you have to perform in between two uh, bad guys that are going like this. Mm-hmm. I couldn't time that to save my life. It was it was impossible. So I went to look to see how someone else had done it, and. The way they did it was to jump back from where you came on like a hidden ledge. Well, hell, I didn't know that was there, and I could never get it to work. I, I could never get past that. I don't recall that. that. It was just too hard for me, too frustrating. And I play a lot of Amiga games. I'm used to play, playing hard games, but this one was just, it was just too much. I mean, what, what, what were your final thoughts? Um, well, first of all, do you, did you watch a full playthrough? Do you understand the, the cover art now? No, I don't understand the cover art. Yeah. When you beat the game... Oh, about him... Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end, you throw... He, he lays down in the bed, and then instantly gets up and yeah. runs to the bathroom and throws up, which That's, is what the cover art and is. And this is a pretty iconic uh, yeah. cover art. And it is funny, because he starts out in the bathroom, too, yeah. so you end, end up in the toilet, basically. Uh, well, hey, he he, he he was he probably had, been, had an online history, he was tired, he collected all that stuff. If you beat this game, you'd probably be in the toilet puking. Uh, I actually liked my game more... For playing, just playing the the few hours of each that I did. Um, however, I feel as if I've gotten all I can out of Fat Worm. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of showing it off, so can you believe the Spectrum can do this? Uh, I don't have a whole lot of reason to go back to it. Uh, whereas Jet Set Willie, I can. I could go back to it and try to figure out more rooms. Try to figure out more, you know, where to stand, where to jump, that kind of stuff. But I wouldn't. Yeah. And it's not because I don't think the game is bad. The game is just not for me. Uh, just like Portal is a modern uh, puzzle, uh, pu- platform cl- puzzler classic that I never got into. I'm not. I'm definitely not saying either of those games are bad. They're just not for me. Yeah. And I. I, I even sitting here, it frustrates me because I wanted to like this game. It's my kind of game. Jumping around and exploring, it's my kind of game. I love it. And I'm not saying I, I'm never going to go back to it, but I mean, I've got to take a break. Because I'm telling you, I played this game on and off all week, and it frustrated me to no end. I mean, it just drove me nuts because I sucked at it so much. I wanted to be better. I wanted to. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. It drove me nuts. Um, this is up on eBay. No problem. You can get one of these. Um... Uh, in the UK, I've seen them. I, I saw a sealed cassette go, go for fourteen bucks US. Wow! And so, use three bucks, you can get one to take. Now, just wow. just to uh, bring it to a close, I did look up how much Atomic Sinclair was going for. You can get a th- a, a Atomic Sinclair one thousand for you know after shipping, you're going to be paying more. But you know, thirty thirty five bucks. Why would you want to? But you can the, get if you want a twenty sixty eight, you're going to be paying uh, over a hundred, uh, somewhere in a hundred twenty, hundred thirty dollars. But if you're going to get one, that's the one to get. Sure. Well, you're going to have to get it, and then you're going to, have to do the little dance yeah. with the ROM. But and then you're going to, have to deal with the color issue. Yeah. So you know, it's a mixed bag. If, I mean, people are selling them, you know, buying and selling them. You know, uh, but uh, I they're they're and they're a good looking unit. 
by the way. They look nice, uh, but, uh, I, you know, I like that. I think I like this unit better. It's just, it's, of course, you have to jump to the hooves, but we're used to that. So, so all that aside, it's time all to move on and get back to what we do best, and that's spinning a wheel and making a deal. Well, so, let's get to do music. it. Hit the overly loud music. Actually, no, I noticed, and uh, my wife commented, that you turned down the music. Incorrect. I turned up hearing aid. That's all I did. did. All right. Now, Brent. Right in the old middle Rooney. Tell tell the people what we added here. Uh, What did we add? Well, we added, let me show you. I'll give you a little tour here. Number one, the TI-99-4A. Because you can't get enough TI. (laughs) Oh, I see the other one. The CDI has been added. The CDI. Yes. Uh, uh, we, uh, I have played a real CDI. Have you ever played one? Yes, I have. Okay, unfortunately. So, I believe it was yours, actually. Now, we've got a lot of, I mean, I was talking to Britt before the show, we've got a wheel full of wacky, wacky stuff. So, yeah, so, Brent, go ahead, spin the wheel, and make the deal. Right, here we go. Here. Anything you're wanting? I would like to see Saturn come up, but it's been on there for a while. You know what? I want some 1970s arcade goodness. Right. Uh, here we go. Well, it needed a good spin it. And we're going to come up oh, with... Bam! What Call it and get it. What'd 1970s Arcade. All right, tell the people what that means, Brady. We will be choosing an arcade hit, or not hit, as the case may be, anywhere, anything that was released from 1970 to 1979. Mm. And that's, we, that's a wide spectrum of, of stuff. It is. It is. And we will be presenting it to the... Lovely audience at home. So these will be arcade video week. games, right? This is what that's, that's the, correct. That's the parameter. Any arcade release. Well, but I mean, every, all pinball machines are in the arcade. No, 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 no. Well, video arcade. Okay. Release. So any video arcade. So that's that's right. You're going way back there in the seventies. In the seventies. That's I'm right. I have, have to ponder. I have to ponder how that was going to go. So that's how we're going to do it next week. We're going to be playing uh, arcade. We're talking about. Uh, we're not going too far back. This from ZX. No, we're we're not. Not, it's not going to be so. It's, it, but a different, certainly a different world. Absolutely. So, please uh, join us next week as we discuss uh, classic arcade games. Uh, for myself, for Brent, we bid you a fond to do, and until then, au revoir. Bye. I first saw your title screen And even though I never got that far I lay awake most every night I think about the rooms ahead Where everything just seemed to get so hard I never got this close before I never got this near to complete it. Yes, it Willie, so go get me another beer.